Alright, good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is Dave Everett. This is my wife Sherry. Uh, thank you for showing us, joining us at Lighthouse Discipleship Center uh, for our Bible study. Uh, we're continuing our Bible study from our Don't Know the God from Andrew Womack. And we're actually getting to the tail end. We're in the last chapter on imagination. And uh, I don't think we're going to quite finish it today. I think we're going to have at least one more week after today. And then uh, after this is done, we're going to actually start a new Bible study on Sunday night, same time, on the true nature of God, by the same author, Andrew Womack. And while I'm on the subject of Bible studies and making announcements, I thought I would just mention that starting Wednesday the 16th, that's not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday on the 16th, we're going to do another Bible study here on Facebook Live. And uh, it will be at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights, starting the 16th. And we'll be doing Andrew's book, book on The New You and the Holy Spirit. It's actually two books in one, but uh, it's, it's combined in The New You and the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, uh, we're talking about the true nature of God on Sunday uh, in a couple weeks. You know, uh, we're born again. We're born of God. We need to find out who we are. Uh, and uh, it says in 1 John 3, 1, that we will be, and actually it says, first John 3, 1, verses 1 and 2, verse 2 specifically, it says, we will be like him when we see him as he is. And so, when we see God as he truly is, we can become, become like him. And the new you and the Holy Spirit is a, is a major, a major, major deal. And so we need to know who we are. And we need, and we haven't talked about it uh, enough, and we need to start talking about it some more. We need to talk about who we, the Holy Spirit, and how He operates in our lives, and we need to walk, operate in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about that on Wednesday nights in the, starting in a couple weeks. So without further ado, we're going to continue our Bible study tonight on Don't Let Me God. We are in the, the chapter Imagination. I'm really excited about uh, tonight's uh, Bible study. I looked ahead and, and saw what we're going to be talking about, so I don't know how far we'll get because it's some very good material. And the title of this section is titled, what should it? Vain Imaginations. And so, uh, we're going to be talking about that. You might not know what a vain imagination is, uh, but we're going to be talking about that. So anyway, uh, without further ado, uh, Sherry's going to be our narrator. She's going to narrate for us, and then we're, we're going to talk about it. So, uh, when you're ready, Sherry. Okay. The imagination is a powerful force, but it has to be engaged. We have to be intentional about it. If we just put our imaginations on automatic, we will wind up being vain in our imaginations. Romans 1.21 says, If we don't give honor and glory to God and aren't thankful, our imaginations will become vain and our foolish hearts will be darkened. We will be alienated from the life of God because of the blindness of our hearts. A positive imagination is a byproduct byproduct of whether we have been we have truly been thankful and have valued the things of God. Praising God and being thankful will cause our imaginations to come alive and we will start seeing things differently than we ever have seen them. A vain imagination, however, conceives evil instead of being creative and conceiving good things. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Romans 1.21 The word imagination is only used once in the Bible in a positive way. 
O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people, and prepare their heart unto thee. 1 Chronicles 29:18. Every other time that imagination is mentioned, it is used in a negative way. Did you know that God and his purposes on earth were challenged by the imagination of people? In Genesis 11:6, the Lord came down to see the Tower of Babel and basically said, Come, let us confuse the people's language because they are one. Their speech is one, and now nothing they have imagined will be restrained from them. Nothing they had imagined would be restrained from them, so God confused their language to cause disunity and to stop them from progressing to a point where they could meet all of their own needs. God wanted them to be dependent on Him. A foolish, darkened heart is a hardened heart, and once a person's heart is hardened, they become separated from the life of God, Ephesians 4.18. It's tragic, but most people live somewhere between a vain, negative imagination and a hardened heart. They only imagine bad things, so when the doctor tells them they are going to die, they start planning their funerals. They see themselves dying and start to imagine what's going to happen when they are gone. Such a vain, negative imagination works against them and causes a hardened heart. Having a hard heart doesn't necessarily mean they aren't trying to love God or follow His will for their lives. It just means they don't understand how much God loves them apart from their behavior or performance. People with hardened hearts only see and understand the Word of God with their brains. Moving beyond that stage takes time and effort. They have to start obeying God, meditate on His Word, glorifying Him, and being thankful. They must focus on God and what He has already done for them, instead of being focused on themselves. As they focus more on Him, instead of their imaginations being vain, they will come alive. All right, thank you, Sherry. Um, again, thank you for joining us. Those of you uh, join us online, uh, we're going through Andrew's book, uh, Don't Limit God. Uh, we're in the last chapter talking about imaginations, and specifically in this uh, section, we're talking about vain imaginations, and we're going to get into that in just a second. Let me just pause this for a moment and mention, you know, we are working on our live stream, and uh, nothing's changing here on Facebook, but we're actually working on some things so we can live stream directly here on Facebook, but also directly to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. I think Sherry put the address in the comments below. And so that way people can engage better with us. Uh, there'll be some notes there. Uh, you can worship with us. You can follow some other things going on with our church and whatnot. But, uh, so be better with us when we're trying to get this uh, dialed in. we got some new equipment coming in this week. And hopefully we'll get that dialed in better. So you can watch us live here. You'll be able to watch us live on our website. You can, and you'll also be able to watch us live on YouTube. Uh, even as Dean, you can also uh, watch all of the previous Bible studies on our, on our website. And, uh, and so uh, you can see all that. And it's, it's very easy to get to you. I uh, have that in multiple places on our website. Especially in, under the area of Bible studies. Uh, but anyway... I just want to throw that out there. But getting back to our study on Don't Limit God, we're talking about imaginations. And specifically tonight, we're talking about, or Andrew's talking about from his reading, is uh, vain imaginations. And so Sherry just read some things, and I want to, and I'm going to go through this section a little slower than 
I have previous because there's just some powerful things that I want to want to draw out of here. First of all, Andrew says the imagination the imagination is a powerful force, but it has to be engaged. In previous sections in this chapter, we've already established how imagination is a very powerful force. But for it to be used positively in our lives, that needs to be engaged, and it needs to be engaged positively. You know, we have to. We have to be intentional about it. it it's not just going to be automatic. Our, our imaginations, in one sense, will be automatic, but we tend to drift. We tend to automatically imagine the negative uh, versus the positive. We have to train ourselves. We have to guard our mind. Uh, Bible says, "Guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life." Uh, in the parable of the sower, Mark and Luke say uh, that we have uh, we have to heed what we hear and how we hear it. So we have to be intentional uh, in how we process our imagination in positive ways. A key verse that Andrew uses here, and I want to read it again from Romans one twenty one. it says, it says, um, actually I'm just going to quote what he says about it. Um, it's the next oh, next page. Oh, thank you, Sherry. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was hardened. There's several things that Paul says here in this uh, 21st verse in Romans chapter 1, where he says, they knew not, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, were thank, uh, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and, in their, and their foolish hearts were darkened. There's four things that Paul mentions here regarding vain imaginations are, uh, in other words, called a hardened heart. We'll get to the hardened heart in a moment. But uh, Paul, you know, he highlights several things here about how do I, how, what is a vain imagination and how does that harden our hearts? And if you keep in mind too, Paul is talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. And uh, a hardened heart might not be what you might think. It's not necessarily... Uh, living in sin, even though that can be the results of a hardened heart. That's not necessarily a hardened heart. We're going to get into that. A couple things here. Uh, I'm just going to read from Andrew again. A positive imagination is a byproduct of whether we have truly been thankful and have valued the things of God. Again, a, a, a positive imagination is a byproduct. It's not the fruit. It's not the root. It's a byproduct. If we're going to be intentional in our imaginations, a positive imagination is a byproduct of whether or not we have been thankful and valued the things of God. Are we a complaining people? I mean, I tend to think that we are. I even had a conversation with someone earlier today. A lot of times when we go to a restaurant or we are served at a, uh, or even just to the store, a lot of times we, we gravitate to the things that we're, we're complaining about the service we receive. And I understand sometimes we get some lousy service and whatnot, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's worth complaining about. And, but at the same, same time, we also get a lot of positive in, uh, of service. Do we spend as, Are we so eager... You know, when we get bad service, some of, us are, some of us have a tendency to call the manager, call the 800 number, and complain about our service. But when we get outstanding service, and when we just get good service, do we have the same vigor, do we have the same intention to make a compliment? You know, we are so negative driven, and we can be so negative about the circumstances. I mean, here in California, 
we're having 100 degree weather. And we live in Camarillo, we used to live in Ontario, we heard this weekend that it was 115 yesterday where we used to live. That's outrageous. And we went to the beach where it was 79 degrees, that's a little more tolerable, okay? Um, I mean, even here at Camarillo, it doesn't usually get in the triple digits, but they got over 100 today. And so this is hot, you know, and, and so we can, we can focus on complaining on how miserable we are and we're, we're sticking to everything because we're hot and sticky, or we can just be positive thinking we have fans. We don't even have AC here uh, uh, in this house because usually uh, in Camarillo, it's not hot enough to run the AC. But uh, anyway, we would have liked it today. But anyway, I just, uh, uh, you know, getting back to what I'm talking about and what Andrew's talking about, we, we have to be intentional to have a positive imagination. And that means we need to be, we need to be intentionally thankful. We need to be intentionally um, thinking about or valuing the things of God. Do I value the things of God more than I value the evil that's going on in this world? There's a lot of evil going on in our world, and, it, and, and, and some of it needs to be addressed. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily countering that. But are we, are we more? Do we value the things of God more do, than, we, than we recognize and acknowledge the evil that's in the world? Do we magnify God's more? Are we more thankful? Paul, while he was in prison in Philippians chapter 4, says, Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Paul talks about being content, and one of the areas that Paul talks about when he talks about being content, he uses the word joy. We need to be joyful. And how do we be joyful if we're negative? We need to be, there's plenty to complain about, but there's plenty to be joyful about. And we need to be intentionally thankful. If we are not intentionally thankful and valuing the things of God, that can harden our heart. That can harden our heart to, and we're talking about the not limiting God. If we're talking about the miraculous, we're talking about God working in our life. But if we're so focused on the negative, if we're so focused on what's not working, if we're so focused on this person did me wrong and this person did me wrong, versus valuing the things of God and being thankful and being joyful and keeping our focus on Him... He says in Philippians 4, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is a good report, etc., think on these things. But so many times we're thinking on the thing, everything that's wrong. We're watching as the world turns or as the stomach turns, as Andrew would say. We're watching different things. We're, we've got so much media coming in and, and most of it's negative. I've never watched the news and it being positive. I've never watched the news and that just blessed my day. You know, and nowadays it's not even news and I'm not even going to go down that road. I already did. But, uh, you know, we need to be value the things of God. And we need to, to guard our heart and be uh, with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. The second thing I want to highlight here is uh, praising God and being thankful will cause our imaginations to come alive. And we will start seeing things differently. When we are intentional about praising God, when we are intentional about thanking God, then it says our imaginations will come alive. And we will start seeing life, seeing the circumstances differently. You know, I see a lot of evil in this world, but I see a world that needs Jesus. Light shines darker, brighter in, in, in darkness. You know, some of the greatest revivals in history came out of dark seasons. Wars and rumors of wars and different things. 
We need to be a people who are thankful, praising God. You know, even when King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles 20 faced three vast armies that were coming against him, he sent the worship team on the front lines. And when they got there, the battle was already won. David, throughout the Psalms, will, will complain. He's not happy about this. He's not happy about that. But he will go into praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. There's so many songs where, where David is encouraging himself and the Lord through songs, being thankful and praising God. Without a thankful heart, without a praising heart, your heart will become hardened. Have you been around someone who's negative? Do they just lighten your day because they're, they're all neg negativity? Or do you like being around people who are just positive and thankful? You know, uh, I want to be around those people. We are the people of God. We are the church of God. And in these last days, we have something to be thankful. We have a great salvation. We have a great inheritance. We have Jesus. We have a healer. We have a provider. We have a lot of things to be thankful about. And we can, be, we can arise above the circumstances and the evil. And, and we can allow our joy to be louder than the world's complaint. The third thing I want to highlight here is just... Um, Vain imaginations, uh, uh, I'm sorry, let me read the sentence again. Praising God and being thankful will cause our imaginations to come alive and we will start seeing things differently than we have seen them with, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me. A vain imagination, however, conceives evil and instead of being creative and, and conceiving good things. A vain imagination will conceive evil. You know, it, 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 it's, 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 it's focus, it's source, it's root, it's, uh, it's focus on negative. And it, I mean, there's things that we can just in our vain imaginations, because we're so negative, we can conceive negative. You know, it seems like some negative people are around, everything's negative. And the more they speak negative, the more they are negative, the more negative happens. We can conceive negative. That's, that's pretty deep. We can conceive negativity because we are just being negative. I want to I move on. It says, um, you know, we can use the word, we can, we, we can be, uh, use imagination in a positive way. Something else I want to bring out that Andrew says is, a foolish, darkened heart is a hardened heart. You know, a, 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 a heart that is negative, a heart that is darkened. You know, we are the light of the world. The word, word of God, the light. It's light. It's life. Jesus is the light of the world. We are the light of the world, it says in Matthew. But a darkened heart. You know, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. We should be bringing light to the situation. But a darkened heart is a negative heart. And that heart is a Hardened heart. You, you speak you, over time just being negative. Your heart will become callous and it will become darkened and it will become a hardened heart. And once a person's heart is hardened, they become separated from the life of God. That's huge. I don't want to be separated from the life of God. But a negative heart, a hardened heart, can and will. It, He's quoted actually from Ephesians 4.18. I want to read that real quick. I forgot to bring my iPad, so we'll, we'll uh, 
or just use the old-fashioned way. But in uh, Hebrews 4.18, it says, Having their, misunder their misunderstanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in, their, in them and because of the blindness of their hearts. You know, our hearts can become darkened. Our hearts can become blinded. Our, our lives can be separate, can become separated from the life of God, alienated from the life of God because we are negative. That's not who we are. We're the people of God. We're the children of God. We're the children of the light, the Bible says. And in Him there is no darkness. He goes on to say here that, um, let me find the beginning of this. They see themselves dying and start to imagine what's going on, going to happen when they are going, when when they are gone. Such a vain, negative imagination works against them instead of instead causes a heart of heart. When we are negative, our imaginations that are a powerful force. We've already established that the last few weeks. Our imagination is a powerful force, but when we are negative. That imagination starts working against us instead of for us. God gave us the power to be imaginative. God gave us the power to, to use our imagination. I mean, a lot of our cartoon characters that we, some of us grew up with, Mickey Mouse, uh, a lot of Disney movies and, and characters, uh, Looney Tunes and whatnot, but especially Disney, uh, you know, it's fantasy, but it's... It, it, it encourages us to use our imaginations. I mean, that's what I'm so intrigued with Mary Poppins and, and uh, some of the other uh, storytellers out there. Uh, I, I, I think the Sound of Music would, could, could fall on the lines. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen that. I know that's one of Sherry's favorite. But imagination can be a very powerful thing. I mean, Anna Green Gables, she used her imagination, got herself in trouble with it sometimes. But, uh, you know, we got something really. No. No? You, okay. You got to hold that thought. Okay. So, you know, but uh, 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 a negative, a, a negative heart is a darkened heart. It's a foolish heart. It's separated from the life of God. And we, it, it, can be, it comes to a point where our imaginations become vain and they work against us. Uh, and, and it causes our heart to be harder. And it goes on to say that having a hard heart, Having a hard heart doesn't necessarily mean they aren't trying to love God or follow His uh, follow His will for their lives. It just means that they don't understand how much God loves them apart from their behavioral performance. That's huge. That's a big statement right there. I don't know if you caught what I read because I was I felt like it was mumbling a little bit. But when we have a hard heart, it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't love God. That's not what I'm saying. A hard heart does not necessarily mean that we don't love God. There was a time, and I think it's Mark's version, it was after Jesus fed, fed the multitudes. And uh, it was, uh, then they had the issue of, uh, of, of the storm on the water. And afterwards, Jesus rebuked them because their hearts were hardened. God, I mean, Jesus, they were on the boat and they had a storm. They were, they, their lives were at stake from their point of view. And Jesus rebuked them for not rebuking the storm themselves because of a hardened heart. When you have a hardened heart, 
You will not believe God for the miraculous. You can't. Your heart's hardened. It's alienated from the life of God. How they become hardened? Because of all the negativity. You, you were more focused on being negative about the circumstance than being thankful for your God. And that will harden your heart yeah, towards the miraculous. But having a heart of heart doesn't mean that you don't love God. Having a heart of heart means that you're more focused on your performance or the lack of it versus being, being focused on God's goodness, being focused on God. Uh, uh, let me just read this last part again. It says, Having a hard heart doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't trying to love God or follow His will for their lives. It just means they don't understand how much God loves them apart from their behavior. God wants to show you do miraculous things in your life. He loves you immensely. He wants to show you mercy. He wants to do things out of His mercy and grace in your life. Not because you deserve it, but because He loves you. A hardened heart has forgotten how much, or doesn't even realize how much God loves them apart from their own performance. Why you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. How much more that you are a child of God, will He not give you all things? The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8. I'm paraphrasing. But we, God loves us. And I'm not saying we don't live right, we don't live a holy life, but that should be the byproduct. It's called the fruit of righteousness. It's called the fruit of holiness. It's not the root. The root is Jesus. The root is magnifying Jesus in my life. And Jesus in me it has the ability to walk a holy, righteous life, but also Jesus in me has the power to live a miraculous life. And we have much to be thankful about. God wants to provide for us, meet every single need we have, not because we deserve it, but because He loves us. We need to be reminded of that. If there's any good in our life, if there's any sanity in our life, if there's any good, it's not because we earned it, it's because of His grace and mercy. Any good thing we have, anything that God has done in our life is based on His grace and mercy. It's been out of nothing but pure love. Yet, in response to that, His goodness, His goodness, His love leads us to repentance. Those who are not repentant have lost, his, have, 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 don't, are not focused on His goodness. But God has been good to us. And the, the, it says in Philemon, verse 6, that the communication of our faith becomes effectual as we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. But a, but a, a hardened heart, a, a, a vain imagination, is not focused on every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. It's focused on the circumstances. But if you are more focused on every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus, acknowledging that with a thankful heart, not a negative heart, your faith will become effectual, and he says he can do, he, he desires to do exceedingly abundantly more than he can ever ask or imagine according to his power that's in us. When did he say that? He said that right after he said in verse 19 of Ephesians 3 that when we know the love of God, we will be filled with the fullness of God. This is good stuff, folks. 
when we know His love that surpasses knowledge, we are filled with the very fullness of God, and He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine according to His power that is at work. It's not dormant. It's at work within us. If we knew that we had the fullness of God in us, and we knew that He could do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine, we have no business being negative about anything. There is so much positive in that. We have the fullness of God. And he said he can do exceedingly more than, abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine. Those who are complaining, those who are negative, those who have a vain imagination and a hardened heart have forgotten how much God has loved us and does love us. But if we knew his love that surpasses knowledge, we will be filled with the fullness of God and whatever we need will be taken care of. Because He loves us. That's so powerful. You can get your heart wrapped around that. There's people with a hardened heart only see and understand the Word of God with our brains. Some people only know the Word of God intellectually. But they don't know God, the living Word, with their heart. But a hardened heart only knows the Word of God with their brains. Moving beyond that stage takes time and effort. It takes time and effort to know God, to be relational with Him, to be in an intimate relationship with God, to be in an intimate relationship with anybody. It takes time and effort. It takes time and effort for any relationship to grow and to mature and to, to, to get all the benefits out of it. But we have to take time and effort to get to know God at that level. But those with heart and heart, they have, they have to start obeying God and meditating on His Word, glorifying Him and being thankful. They must focus on God and what He has already done for them instead of being focused on themselves. When you're focused on your circumstances and how you are a victim of the circumstances. You are more focused on yourself than you are God. Amen or oh me. You know, sometimes we can say amen or we can say ouch. When David came on the scene of Goliath, <coughs> King Saul and the armies of Israel were wallowing in fear for 40 days. They were thinking about themselves and their inadequacies more than they were thinking about their covenant relationship with God. But David, when he came on the scene, he knew he was established in his covenant relationship with God. And the first words out of his mouth were, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David was the most humble man on that scene. He came across as cocky to his brother Eliab and to others. But he was actually humble because he was focused on God. David, when he came on the scene of Goliath, didn't limit God. Because he wasn't focused on being a victim of Goliath's taunts. He was focused on overcoming the circumstances by his God. And so, our, our heart and heart, King Saul and the armies of Israel, are an example of what a heart and heart looks like. They had the same covenant relationship with God that David did. But David was focused on God. 
while the armies of Israel and King Saul was focused on Goliath and how and themselves. Uh, hopefully this is making sense. Uh, we're going to get into keeping our minds straight on him. We're going to see the positive part of, part of this in just a moment. Anything you want to add to any of that? Uh, just a verse that we had touched on a while ago, either in this Bible study or uh, maybe with Sunday mornings, uh, that Dave spoke on Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. You know, it's, it's really easy to lean on my own understanding, how I perceive things, how I imagine things. Oh, this person is reacting this way to me. It must be this. My own perceptions. But when we trust in the Lord with, with all our heart, when we just know that He is good and He's not out to get us, that He loves us, as, as Dave and Andrew were, were touching base on, you know, we're not to lean on our own understandings. You know, it's so easy, like Dave said, to... to get in that victim mentality oh you know i got hurt oh you know th the whole world's against me oh this happened this happened and yes i've fallen in that temptation but when you when i i trust the lord i trust god that he loves me and he's for me and not against me you know that's when my imagination is where it needs to be because when I'm leaning on my own understanding, I can very easily get that hardened heart. And I can put up walls and defenses and not react to people like I should. Uh, because I'm just leaning on my own wisdom. And Dave a lot of times talks about the, the two wisdoms out there. There's the wisdom from God or the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of the world is victim mentality hey, this person hurts you, go after them. You know, the list goes on. Uh, but, but where that kind of evil is, that kind of wisdom, is, is evil and confusion and strife. But when we lean on, on God and not our own understanding, when we lean on God's wisdom, when we trust Him and His goodness to take care of us, that's when we see godly wisdom come about. That's when we see... Jesus' example of, you know, turning the other cheek, of, of loving people even when they turned against him, not defending himself, even though he had every right. He, he knew who he was and who his father was, and that's where his imagination kept him. And that's why people were so drawn to him, because he had the words of life. All right, well, thank you, Shane. Um, amen. Amen. Well, let's keep reading. Uh, keep your mind stayed on him. That's the next section here. We can't become who God says we are unless we see ourselves as he sees us. We will become exactly what we imagine, whether that image is positive or negative. I actually, I just thought of my other thing I wanted to share, and this is probably a silly example. Uh, for those of you who knew the, the old Disney movies, uh, Swiss Family Robinson, Pollyanna, you know, we got to grow up with some, with some uh, neat traditions and memories of those good times. But, you know, in the movie Pollyanna, this, this little girl lost everything. She lost her parents. She was an orphan. She went to live with uh, an aunt who was, was kind of a stinker. 
and had a hardened heart and she uh, didn't have a lot of townspeople really on her side but Pollyanna came in and she was very convinced that there was good in life and she had been talking with the minister one day who noticed that she had a necklace on and it was a gift from her dad and it was a quote from Abraham Lincoln whether it, I keep forgetting to actually look it up to see if it was really Abraham Lincoln but the quote on her necklace was if you're going to look for the bad in people you will surely find it and you know when we're using our imaginations to dwell on poor me this person hurt me that person hurt me everything in life is against me we are like Andrew and Dave have already talked about we're gonna find it but when we focus on God and keeping our hearts and minds on him we will see the good in this world that God has put there and his goodness uh, and give him all the honor and glory uh, but I want to get back to this, so I'll start over. We can't become who God says we are unless we can see ourselves as He sees us. We will become exactly what we imagine, whether that image is positive or negative. If we think we're failures, we will be. We have to deal with our imaginations and get them to line up with God's opinion of us. We would much we would be much better off if we spent time encouraging our imaginations. We can't let what other people say determine our identities or our futures. We need to find out what the Word says about us. Then we need to pray and let the Holy Spirit give us an image of what He wants us to do and who He wants us to be. That will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because He trusted in thee. Isaiah 26.3 our imaginations have to be stayed upon the Lord. Many of us think, well, I am trying to keep my mind stayed on the Lord. But are we keeping our imagination stayed on the Lord? Are we picturing what God's Word says about us? When we don't realize how important it is to keep our imagination stayed on the Lord, we will allow them to be turned against us, and we will, we will, and we will only see negative things. And... Uh, Dave already talked about King David in the Bible when he faced Goliath and he could very easily seen himself as the rest of Israel was seeing themselves as puny and compared to this giant but God saw them as his children and victorious you know Paul the Apostle he kind of have had a lot of things going on with him on on the one hand on the I'll, I'll say worldly side of things. I don't know if that's the right connotation, but he listed a lot of things that he could he could focus on. He was, you know, the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was uh, not Hebrews. He was um, a Pharisee of Pharisees. You know, he he was, you know, had all these these pluses in, on say the, the world's point of view on things but that wasn't the imagination uh, the thoughts that he wanted to dwell on the, the, the other flip side of it he could dwell on all the negative what happened to him being in jail so many times being flogged so many times 
you know, being uh, shipwrecked and different things. He could focus on all that bad stuff that, that he went through, but instead all, all he focused on was being content in God and, and who he was and sharing that with other people. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. You know, again, uh, uh, just to echo everything Sherry's saying and what she read from Andrew, you know, uh, we can't become who God says we are are unless we value ourselves the way the way God sees us. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us. The Bible the Bible says that as a mirror. And we need to value ourselves the way God values us. If we don't, we are limiting God. And uh, we will never live to our full potential if we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. And some people, uh, even in that connotation, have used religion to put ourselves down. You know, God thought we were worth dying for. God thought you were worth dying for on your worst day. Even when you were alienated from the life of God, you didn't even want anything to do with God. God, God thought, thought you were worth dying for. And, and you are now the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't devalue the blood of Jesus. He was worth, it was worth making you righteous. It was worth making you holy. Now, God has filled you with His fullness. He has filled you with His Spirit. Don't devalue that. You see yourself the way God sees you. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I, in the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Paul valued God's love more than he valued being shipwrecked and all the things Sherry just just mentioned because he knew how much God loved him and he had a revelation of that and he, God was able to use him here was a man I mean we marvel how God used Paul but here was a man that was killing Christians monitoring them some of us if we had a big turnaround like Paul did we would just be we would feel so so sorry for ourselves that we did such a horrible things that we couldn't even get out of bed. But Paul not only was able to get out of bed, he was able to turn it around and start preaching the gospel. And he's become the, one of the greatest apostles through his message. I mean, most two-thirds of the New Testament is his writings that you and I benefit today. We would not even be established who we are in Christ if it wasn't for Paul's letters. And so here was a man who was... Who, who was killing Christian? He was the enemy. Uh, just put into some plain, simple terms. And yet he had a big turnaround because he finally valued how, the way God saw him. God, Paul realized that even as though he was killing Christians, as he was uh, Saul before he became Paul, he knew that God valued him enough to use him to bring others to Christ. And uh, no matter what Paul went through, being shipwrecked, being stoned, being uh, whipped all the things that he went through he called it light afflictions because he knew he became established in the love of Christ in the love of God uh, he goes on to say here that our imaginations have to be stayed upon the Lord one of my favorite verses is this verse here where it says in Isaiah 26 3 that he will keep in perfect peace he whose mind is stayed upon him this word mind and Andrew begins to bring out is the word imagination some of us have kept our minds on him, but have we kept, as Andrew says, have we kept our imaginations on him? There's a difference. 
There's a difference. You can you can quote scripture left and right. You can just quote it, be in the word, and in a sense, your mind is on him. But is your imagination on him? Are you, when the Bible says, by his stripes you are healed, do you see yourself healed? When the Bible says that my God shall supply my needs according to his riches and the glory of Christ Jesus, do you see yourself provided for? Do you see that the things that the promise of God, the things that God, do you imagine them as being true? Or are they just words on a page? Are you just going through the motions? Are you just being religious as you read the Bible, but you're not imagining that true? And the Bible says it's live, it's active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Jesus said the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. This is a living word. We need to imagine it so. That he is our provider, that he is our shield and our great reward. Lately, I've been, I went through something recently where I, I needed some deliverance. I needed some protection. And I just quoted something that uh, um, God told Abraham back in the book of Genesis. I am your shield and your great reward. God is our shield and our great reward. And I see myself in times, and in, in that particular instance, God shielding me. And he was my reward. He's all I need. He's more than enough. If I needed healing, he's my healer. If I need provision, he's my provider. If I need deliverance, he's my deliverer. If I need wisdom, he's my wisdom. If I need uh, help, he's my helper. Whatever I needed. If my joy, he's the joy of my salvation. Whatever I needed, I, I, he, I, he's enough. And it goes on to say here that if uh, he asks a question actually, are we picturing ourselves? Are, are we picturing what God's word says about us? When God says something about us, do we picture that? Does that become part of our imagination, or do we just kind of gloss over it? We need to picture ourselves the way God sees us. We need to picture ourselves the way the Word of God says we are. We need to picture it. You know, imagination is strong. You know, when someone says something negative to us. We mull that over. Or something says, does something negative to us. We can picture, we mull that over. You know the whole, the old saying, sticks and stones break my bones, but words can never hear me, or hurt me. That is such a lie. When people say things to us, we dwell on those words. But the Bible says, there's power, life, and death in the tongue. James talks about how the tongue is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a fire. Like, that is a spark that sets the whole force on fire. It's like the rudder on the ship. Yesterday we went to the beach and we saw this ship leave the dock. You know, we saw the pilot boat go out and, and meet it. And, 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 I mean, it was there with it, actually. It was going out and then the pilot back, boat came back. But, but this that little rudder was guarding that huge... We thought it was a building. We didn't even know it was a ship. And then it moved. And then it started moving. And I knew the ground I was standing on wasn't moving. There was waves nearby. But uh, the ship began to move. It was just a building. Until it started to move. But a little rudder was guarding that ship. That's what the tongue's like. And we can say negative things or we can say positive things. But God, out of his own tongue, has said positive things to us. And we need to imagine those things. His words, are, God doesn't say anything that's idle. Every word. God says, none of his word will be turned void, but will accomplish every, the intent that he, he sent it. 
Isaiah 55 verse 11. But we need to believe His Word. And we need to put some imagination to it. We need to picture ourselves healed and well and provided for. We, are we doing that? You know, I mean, some of the end time events, where we, 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 can look, we can get very political and we can see, we can picture a nation under Trump or we can picture a nation under, under Biden. Biden, thank you. And then we can pronounce his name right. But, you know, I'm not going to get political. But we can, our imagination it can go in a certain direction when we start talking about certain people. Does our imagination go a certain direction when we start talking about God? When we start talking about Jesus? And is our imagination about Jesus greater than our imagination about the evil that's in this world? There's a lot of evil in this world. We can talk about that till the cows come home. But we can talk about Jesus just as long. And we're going to be talking about Jesus for all eternity. And eternity is not a place that we go to. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is the eternal life, that you know me. Do you know God? Then you have enough to talk about for all eternity. We can talk about that. We can talk about that more. And we can have a greater imagination about the things of God than we can about the evil that's in this world. And I'm not saying there's not some things in this world we need to address politically. If we don't, the, 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 the evil will win. And so we need to be responsible. We need to vote. And we need to get involved politically to a certain level. But even then, our imagination needs to be stayed upon God. You know, uh, I mean, we have politics in the Bible. We have King David. We have uh, King Solomon. We have other kings. We have Moses who was a leader. We have politics, we have different things, but they had, if they were going to govern well, they had to govern with their mind stayed upon Him. But God said, by, He has redeemed us by His blood. In Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, He has redeemed us by, blood and, by His own blood to be kings and priests. We're supposed to govern in the earth. He also said in Isaiah chapter 9, Uh, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Who's this child? Who's this son been given to? Us. Who's us? Us. You and me. Us. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. This child, this son, Jesus, who's been born to us, the government is upon his shoulder. And the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. That's enough to talk about till the cows come home. That's enough to magnify above all the evil that's been going on in this world. Because this child, this Jesus, has been born. He has been given to us. And we are born of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. He goes on to say in chapter 2, verse John chapter 3, 1 and 2, where I'm quoting from, it says that we will be like Him when we see Him as He is. How do you see God? Because that's who you're supposed to be like. 
But you won't be like him if you don't see him as he is. God's my healer. God's my joy. He's, he's so many different things. And I can become like him when I see him as he is. What do you mean, he's my healer, I can be like I can be a healer too? Absolutely. What do you mean, I can heal, you can heal? Well, Jesus sent the 12 out, and he sent the 70 out. He said, go and heal the sick, and raise the dead, and cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. We can heal people, because Jesus isn't in us. We're not doing it, it's Jesus in us. We were crucified. With Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in us. And we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It says in Mark chapter 16. We can heal people because Jesus is in us. That's awesome. It's not me, it's not us, we're not Jesus, but Jesus is in us. Bible says in Ephesians 5.30, we're one flesh with him. Wherever I go, Sherry goes, whatever I, we've had this conversation, I... I, all the time, whatever is yours is mine, and yours is... I'm, I'm getting my mind, my words all jumbled up because I'm trying to talk faster than I, I can even... I'm thinking faster than I can even talk. I can't even talk straight. I'm so excited about this. We are one flesh. Whatever I have, she has. Whatever she has, I have. The same goes with him. We're one flesh with him. Anyway, there's so much I can talk about, but I, I can imagine... I need to imagine these things. Um... Okay, I think that's all I have. Anyway, anything you want to add? Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay, we're going to keep reading some more. I don't think we're quite out of time yet. I want to actually, so why don't you read out this chapter, Sherry, uh, or this section in our, in our study guide, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up in that. Just this one? Uh, no, uh, give it here. Sorry. Use what God has given you, Ephesians 4.17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. The word Gentiles in this verse is referring to non-believers, those who are not in covenant with God. Don't walk like a lost person in the vanity of your mind. Vanity of the mind means you aren't using all that God has given you. Science tells us that we use only 10% of our brains. I can guarantee that we are not using everything God has given us. As Christians, we need to start utilizing what God has given us. God gave us our imaginations. They're a powerful force. We shouldn't be like the lost who only use their imaginations to see negative things. The world tends to gravitate towards the negative. Pessimists are people with a very vivid imagination, yet they imagine all the wrong things. They see a glass half full and call it half empty. They always see the negative side of things. They're still using their imaginations, but now their imaginations have become vain. Likewise, if we aren't thankful and glorifying God, our imaginations will also become vain. If we aren't glorifying God, putting worth and value on Him by praising and thanking Him for what we have, our imaginations will default to seeing the negative side of everything. A lot of people miss what God has for them. For example, even though some ask for healing, they still see themselves sick on the inside. They have been sick for so long that the sickness is not just in their bodies, it also spread to their minds and their emotions. They even see themselves sick in their dreams. When they pray, they are hoping something will happen, but they don't really believe it on the inside. They don't see themselves healed. Their imaginations have become vain and are working against them instead of for them. 
it's important that people have the right image on the inside. Some people are, some children are told from a young age that they aren't wanted or that they will never amount to anything. Others are put down because of their skin color, lack of education, or socioeconomic status. When people believe the negative words or ideas that are spoken over them, it forms an image on the inside of them of who they are and what they can do. That image serves as a ceiling that they can't rise above. Even though their talents and abilities could take them further, they don't allow them to. They somehow find a way to self-destruct. I have a very good friend whose father was pretty hard on him as a kid. They had a lot of cars on their property and his father would make him help his father would make him help work on the cars. His father would say, you're so stupid you can't screw a nut on a bolt without crossing the threads. Over the years, as I have worked with my friend on a number of cars, it seems like every time he would put a nut on a bolt, he would cross-thread it. He would put it on once and it would be okay, but then he would say, I think I've cross-threaded it. So he'd take the nut off, put it back on, and repeat the process five or six times trying to get it right. Eventually, he would cross-thread the bolt because he had a negative image painted on the inside of him that was still affecting him. We have to change the image on the inside of us and start seeing ourselves through God's Word. Once I changed the image I had on the inside of me, I came to a place where I believed I could do anything I needed to do. Today I can see myself doing anything. I am like a cork. You could take me to the bottom of the ocean and I would rise to the top because I've renewed myself through my imagination. If we have vain imaginations and allow our imaginations to work against us instead of for us, then we will limit what God wants to do in our lives. Amen. Amen. All right, well, as we wrap this up, I just want to highlight a few more things from this section that Sherry just read. Uh, first of all, um, Ephesians 4, 17 this I say, therefore, testify the Lord that ye be henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. We should not walk with a vain mind, a vain imagination. We need to walk with a good imagination about God and about ourselves and about our other people. When I see God as I should, I will see myself and others as they should. As I should. If you have a, if you're not seeing people. Uh, and the way God sees them, then you're not seeing God the way He is. We love because He first loved us. And when I understand God the way in a healthy way, I realize I'm see I can see other people, including myself, in the way I should. But if I'm struggling in that, I, I realize I, I need to see God the way for who He is. And I, that that just works for me. He goes on to say here, science tells us that we only use about ten percent of our minds or our brains. I can guarantee that we are not using everything God has given us. As Christians, we need to stop, start utilizing what God has given us. And, get, and He gave us an imagination. You know, that might be, be something new to some people, but, but God has given us an imagination. And I don't believe all of us are using it for His glory. I think as we've been talking tonight, we've been using, some of us have been using it as a vain imagination. We've been using it as a negative thing uh, for the most part. But we need to use it as a positive thing. You know, I can choose, and I, I can choose. I, I, first of all, I need to keep my mind stayed upon Him, as, as we've been reading tonight. You know, uh, and, and we've also been talking tonight that the best way to overcome a vain imagination is to be thankful. 
if we're not thankful, our imagination can become uh, vain, and our and our, our, our heart can become darkened, and our heart can become hardened. But if, if I'm not, if I don't, don't need to have a, a vain imagination like the Gentiles, like the world, like the like the heathen, as some people would call it. When we need to to walk in in in. in uh, a fruitful mind. We need to have a good mind. We need to have the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Uh, we we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Bible says. The Bible says to be naturally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And, and Andrew paints a picture here. It says I want to read this paragraph here. A lot of people miss what God has for them. For example, even though some ask for healing, they don't see themselves. I'm sorry, they see themselves sick on the inside. They have been sick for so long that the sickness is not just in their bodies, it has spread to their minds and their emotions. They even see themselves sick in their dreams. When they pray, they are hoping something will happen, but they don't really believe it on the inside. They don't see themselves healed. Their imaginations have become vain and are working against them instead of for them. It's important that people have the right image on the inside of them. This is powerful if you can understand this. And so this might be new to some people and you might think, Dave, Andrew, you've lost it. That's not how it works. Well, well don't wake me up because it's been working for me. I haven't been sick since 2009. You know, I don't see myself sick. I don't see myself getting COVID. I want to be responsible, yes. And I want to be respectful, yes, uh, as well as I can be. But at the same point in time, uh, you know, I don't, it, it, there's been times I scratch your throat and I have come on. There's some times where I feel my immune system is, is weak and, and so I could catch something. I used to just claim it. I'm going to get sick. I don't believe in flu season. I don't believe in, 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 in getting a flu shot and different things. I don't believe in that stuff. I, I think it's demonic, to be honest with you. Because that, the Bible doesn't talk about that. There's not flu season. And, and I understand the Paul and different things and whatnot. But the Bible says I've been redeemed from the curse. I don't have to have be sick. And I don't imagine myself sick. I imagine myself well. I imagine myself not getting sick. Because I believe there's something better than just getting healed from every sickness. I believe we can walk in divine health and divine uh, uh, healing. And I believe that's better. I don't have to be sick. And anytime my, my body starts feeling weak, I command it to be whole in the name of Jesus. I command my immune system to work that God created me with. I mean, even science has been amazed through the years that the body uh, uh, gets sick at all because it should heal itself, it says. And so, uh, a lot of people might disagree with some of the things I'm saying, but, uh, but you know what, I, that's fine, I'll probably disagree with you. But, uh, and I say that respectfully, I say that tongue-in-cheek, you know, um, but at the same point in time, you know, we need to not just hope that we can be well, we need to imagine ourselves well. Our, our imaginations are a powerful force, and they can work against us or they can work for us. But and where am I getting the imaginations from the Word of God? I believe, you know, when the Bible says, By His stripes I am healed. Or as Peter says in the New Testament, By His stripes we were healed. Past tense. Christ died for our sins, and He, he paid for our healing at the cross 2,000 years ago. 
And I believe I can walk in divine healing all the time. And so I don't believe in sickness. I believe in Jesus. I believe in wholeness. I believe in the God of my salvation. And so, uh, same thing for provision. That God is my provider. He's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I can imagine myself being provided for. He's my shepherd. He's my Abba. He's my daddy. He can do, and even if I do get sick, even if I do find myself in a financial challenge, I have a dad I can come to. I have an Abba I can come to. And the Word of God says I can come boldly to His throne of grace in time of need. Even if I do get sick, I, and that's an if, but even if I do, I know I don't have to stay sick. I can be healed in Jesus' name. Do I believe I'm going to die someday? And, until Je and Jesus doesn't come before? Absolutely. But I don't believe I have to die sick. <laughs> I might die because I was persecuted. And I might die in my sleep. But I'm, I don't believe I have to die sick. I'm not condemning those who are sick. I'm not condemning that at all. But I also believe in healing. I believe, uh, I don't believe I have to hope for healing. I don't have to pray, Lord, if it be your will, heal me. Any more than I have to pray, Lord, if it be your will, help me not to sin. <laughs> Jesus died for my sin as well as he died for my sickness. I, it's, I never saw Jesus go around saying, let me bless you with leprosy. Let me bless you with blindness. It's, sickness is never a blessing from God. It's not his will. What? It's not his will. It's not his will. Jesus is not going to bless something he died for. And, and, and I can get on a whole bandwagon. We're talking about imaginations. And we can limit God when we don't imagine ourselves well. And I believe we can, uh, you know, we can imagine ourselves not contrary to the Word of God, but in spite of the Word of God. We can imagine ourselves well in living whole. And I want to end with this last, this last paragraph here. It says, uh, you know, he and it makes a couple different points in, that, in here. He says, let me just read it. We have to change the image on the inside of us and start seeing ourselves through God's Word. Once I change the image I had on the inside, I, can, I came to a place where I believed I could do anything I needed to do. Today I see myself doing anything. I am a cork. You could take me to the bottom of the ocean and I would rise to the top because I have renewed myself through my imagination. That's powerful. If we have vain imaginations and allow our imaginations to work against us instead of for us, then we will limit what God wants to do in our lives. You know, we talk a lot about imaginations working for us or working against us. Vain imaginations or positive imaginations. But where did the imaginations come from? From what we listen to. Jesus in the parable of the sower and Mark's uh, account in Luke's account says, take heed what you hear and how you hear it. The eyes are the lamp of the body, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5. We need to take heed what we're listening to. You know, the, the Bible calls the, the uh, I don't allow the world's, we have to limit the world's information into our thinker, into our imaginations. We don't listen to the news. We get some headlines and whatnot. No, we don't listen to the news, which isn't really news anymore. 
We listen to the Word of God. We spend some time in the Word. Yes, I will get some of the headlines from a news source or online, but I don't listen to all the commentary. I don't need all that junk. And so, I don't, you know, we have to limit what we listen to on social media. And actually, through social media, you can get enough of the headlines just scrolling through Facebook than you can anything else. And even then, it's just it's not all newsworthy. But at the same point in time, you know, we have, and even if I did listen to the news, I'm not going to listen to it all day long. I'm not going to listen to a whole half hour of it. I'm, I would rather spend that time in the Word of God, in the praying in the Spirit, spending time with God. He knows all things. If I need to know something, you know, I don't listen to news, news, but I know about COVID. I don't listen to news, but I know uh, who's running for president. I don't listen to news, but I know some of the things going on in our world. You know, and so I'm not, I'm not out of, out of connection with our world. But I don't need to, uh, to process their information. I don't need to meditate on those things. I don't need, uh, those things are feeding my imaginations. I need to be careful what company I keep. I, you know, yes, I believe I need to minister to the world, so I need to have some some connection to the world if I'm going to be any 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 uh, any value to it. I can't witness to the world. I can't reach the world if I don't have a connection with it to a certain degree. But it's not going to have. I got to control its influence in my imagination. I need to be in the Word of God. I need to be around the fellowship of of, of the saints. I need to be around good, like-minded people. I need to govern who I associate with and who I allow to speak to towards my imaginations. I need to guard my own mind. Even if I live like a monk, and I don't encourage that, but if I live like a monk, I have to guard my own finger. I have to guard where, where I'm being tempted by. I could be on a desert island, and I could still be tempted. Jesus was tempted when he... Uh, when he was in the wilderness those 40 days. He wasn't around TV. He wasn't around uh, computers and social media. He wasn't around it. In his own mind, the enemy was playing tricks on him. But he also, he, he went out to fast for 40 days. He spent 40 days spending time with his father. He wasn't just wandering in the wilderness. He was fasting and praying. He was spending time with his daddy. And it was in the midst of doing something good that temptation came. But he knew how to, he combated it, not with his own theology, but he com combated it with the Word of God. And so, sometimes some of us, maybe we work jobs and different things that we can't totally be totally away from the news and, and social media and different things because our, law, our, our jobs dictate that we must teach. I understand that. That's why all the more we need to spend time with God and spend time with the Word and whatnot. You know, I'm privileged I don't have to be in the world like some people do. But uh, that, that may change. Uh, just because that's true today doesn't mean that's going to be true tomorrow. And so, but we need to be so in ground. We have, need to have such a, a regular relationship and diet of the Word of God and one-on-one uh, -on -one time with God, walking with Him like Adam did in the cool of the day, spending time with our Abba like Jesus did at night. You know, we need to spend so much time praying in the Spirit and spending time with God that, that you know, that is our number one influence. That is our number one imagination. That our minds are stayed upon Him so we can be in perfect peace and we can have a good imagination.
And if we keep our minds stayed on Him, we'll, we'll, we will be thankful. And our hearts won't grow hard. But if we spend more time in the world than we do with God, our hearts will grow hard. And uh, we will have a vain imagination. Our hearts will become darkened. And we will not be depending on God for the miraculous. Instead, we will be depending on, on, on natural things. You know, you talk, you know, some people critique me on everything I've just talked about on walking and divine healing and divine health. A lot of people think that's miraculous. I agree. I think living miraculous is supposed to be the norm. I think living supernaturally is supposed to be the norm. We're born of God. We are the children of God. We're born of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. Living natural is not the norm. We're born again. We're, we're the children of God. We're the children of the light. That should be normal. Being sick should be abnormal. But some people think that they should be sick every month. They ain't got sick leave every month. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's not normal. That's not what the Word of God teaches. Being sick uh, every month is not normal. Being sick every flu season is not normal. Jesus paid for it. We need to live supernatural. And in my imagination, I can live there. And I can be there. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And some people might, well, that might be your reality, Dave, but that's not my reality. You know, I hate that statement. <laughs> my reality, your reality. The Word of God doesn't teach that. There is a truth, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says in Ephesians, we, that we said, said that we should be so in, 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 uh, saturated with the truth. And this truth that's in Jesus is that, he, that we put off the old man in the spirit of our mind. We put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It says that in Ephesians 4, 20-24. This truth that we are so be so saturated, so imbued in, so, so uh, uh, saturated in, is that we have put off the old man. And in the spirit of our minds, we put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what our imagination needs to be focused on. Not other stuff. Anything outside of that is not truth. It's not truth. It's not based on truth. Jesus is truth. And the truth that we are so to be so taught is, is, is that we have put off the old man. In the spirit of our minds, we put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Anything else is a vain imagination. And it will harden your heart towards the things of God, towards the life of God that we read about today from Ephesians. We need... I don't want to be alienated from the life of God. I want to be plugged into the life of God. And anyway, uh, I said a lot of different things. You want to say anything, Sherry? Just amen. Um, but you know, this is this is a choice, yep. and we can choose to keep steadfast on the Lord and trust Him, or we can choose to be in the negative and. Uh, you know, I'll just point fingers at me. Today was hot, and uh, instead of dwelling on the fact that for the rest of the summer that has passed, we've had really wonderful weather in, in Camarillo, uh, except for maybe one week uh, plus today. Um, but instead of dwelling on that, I chose to be negative today, and uh, Dave chose to be positive. 
And even with me being negative, he still chose to be around me, but he also chose to be positive and um, keep it keep a good attitude. And you know that that spoke volumes to me. I wanted to be pitiful because it's hot, and you know it. We can be pitiful and be negative and stew and dwell on all the negative stuff and be in that victim mentality, or we can choose to keep our minds steadfast on the Lord and choose to taste his goodness and 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 see that he is good and uh, like in in Matthew 6 you know seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you we need to choose David chose to trust God and he overcame Goliath Paul chose to trust God and not look at his past but he chose to to share the gospel with the world you know we, we do have a choice be in the negative and in that vain imagination or be in the positive and realize that God is faithful he keeps his word and choose that relationship with God amen amen well we're out of time for the day we'll be back again next week which we may be finishing this book I'm not sure and then we'll be starting our new book the true nature of God uh, anyway, let's pray us out. Let me pray you out. Lord, we just worship you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, uh, teach us. Lord, if maybe we don't understand everything I'm, I'm sharing about vain imaginations and, and whatnot, and even just imaginations in general, but Lord, I pray that you would teach us. You are our teacher. And Lord, uh, we are to search the scriptures and see with a spirit of readiness to see if these things be so. And so, Lord, we just... Uh, we just speak your blessing on us as we go about this week. We thank you for cooler weather ahead for those of us who are in Southern California. And Lord, we thank you for a good week. We thank you for provision. I thank you for keeping us healthy. And we, we, we worship you. We don't take anything for granted. We thank you for every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. And we give you thanks. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week. If you need any prayer, just reach out to us. We'll be glad to pray with you and agree with you in prayer. And uh, anyway, we'll see you next week. All right. God bless. Bye-bye.